Hi everyone, Anthony Fantano here, the internet's chillest, tiredest music nerd. And it's time for a new episode of the Needle Drop Podcast, our weekly sort of interview and discussion podcast, although this episode is going to be kind of different from our usual format, though we have done this format before, where I will be answering fan questions. Uh, questions about music and art, various sorts of things. I will actually leave an email address down there in the description if you would like to reach out and uh, possibly send along a question for a future episode. So here we go. I have three questions here. I'm going to address each of them in this podcast and uh, just kind of give my thoughts on uh, everything posed by the people who sent these questions along. Here we go. Uh, We have an email here from Michael. Michael says, hello, my name is Michael. Thank you. (laughs) And you've got me hooked on your videos since 2012. Thank you. But my question is, how much emphasis do you usually put on lyrics when you are reviewing an album? Of course, this does not depend on the genre as rap and hip-hop is usually based around the lyrics, but I would like to know what your stance on an album that may not be that that may not stand strong instrumentally but lyrically. My main reason on asking this is because I saw your Why You Know review for August of 2015, and you called Counterparts Tragedy Will Find Us uh, Paint by the Color Metalcore. However, many reviews have praised the lyrics on the album over the musicianship, so my question would be, uh, according to whichever the genre of music you're reviewing, uh, how much emphasis do you usually put on lyrical content and delivery? Um, I think... The amount of emphasis that I typically put on lyrics sort of depends on the amount of emphasis and the amount of care I see a lot of artists put into their lyrics. Now, that's not to say that, you know, lyrics are just kind of checked off and completely irrelevant if it seems that an artist isn't a great lyricist. I mean, in the case of someone like Lil Wayne or Young Thug, yeah, do I go to their music really looking for lyricism? No. Are there good, you know, redeeming qualities about their music outside of lyricism? Absolutely. But the fact that they are saying not much of anything for such a long amount of time does kind of draw on me, uh, admittedly. And and there are some artists who I guess uh, you wouldn't necessarily call lyrical, but I find them funny and entertaining because they have a sharp or, uh, I guess, somewhat tongue-in-cheek or... Uh, delivery that is uh, very full of life or animated in some kind of way. A guy like uh, ASAP Ferg kind of comes to mind, or even, uh, I want to say Riff Raff comes to mind as well. Uh, Riff Raff's lyrics, I think I, I, I put a lot of emphasis and I put a lot of attention on his lyrics when I'm listening to a Riff Raff song, uh, because I think his lyrics are really clever and I think they're funny. And I think uh, he puts a lot of personality into his lyrics. Do I observe a riffraff verse in the same way that I would a a Nas verse or something like that or a Kendrick verse? Of course not. Uh, So, I mean, of of course I put emphasis on lyrics, but I I don't think there's one good way to write lyrics. I don't think there's one uh, right way to write lyrics. Uh, that doesn't mean there aren't lyrics that I hate and lyrics that I think are awful and lyrics that I think are crap. There, there certainly are, but I think, uh, guys like Riff Raff make lyrics that are entertaining. I think artists like 
Phil Elverham of the microphones make lyrics that are interesting and intriguing as well. Again, I think it sort of depends on how much of an emphasis I sort of see the artist putting on the lyrics. Uh, let's take, for example, a guy like Jay Retard. Um, certainly he has some okay lyrics on his songs, uh, rest in peace. But a lot of his lyrics tend to be kind of redundant and simple and blunt, mostly for the sake of uh, kind of making the songs that he's writing very simple and blunt and energetic and visceral because he's writing punk tunes, you know, garage punk tunes in a sense. So I don't really go into his songs to kind of eat at his lyrics and uh, observe everything that he's trying to say lyrically. <laughs> However, though... um sometimes ignoring the fact that the music can sound a bit dry or flat or bland because I don't care for a lot of his studio work. I put an immense amount of focus onto the lyrics of uh, uh, one Mr. John Darneal of the Mountain Goats, who you should check out uh, their latest record, which is a kind of a very interesting series of stories and tales and vignettes that are pro-wrestling-themed. Uh, you wouldn't think that a singer-songwriter would, I guess, uh, uh, delve into such a topic, but he does so for an entire record. And uh, it's it's his knack for lyrics that allows him to do so, his knack for lyrics and his knack for storytelling. Uh, I, again, I don't really think it sort of depends on the genre, uh, I think it depends on the artist specifically, because in each popular genre that that lyrics are kind of a focal point. Uh, there are examples of not only awful lyricists, but great lyricists whose appeals run far and wide. Now, I, I don't think... Uh, and, and of course, I mean, there are examples... Uh, I guess on both ends of the spectrum, the mountain goats being one, like I just referenced, where sometimes the lyrics are so great that the music, it can be okay, but I'm still kind of enamored with what's going on in the song because the lyrics are so good. And then there are examples of records where the instrumental is so great that I guess it doesn't really, uh, mm, I, I want to say cross my mind as to what the lyrics are doing, or it's not, you know, that great of, a factor for me. Um, I guess maybe an example would be uh, uh, maybe ASAP Rocky's Live Love ASAP or something. Not that the lyrics there are bad. They're certainly not. Um, I think a lot of them are catchy, uh, actually. However, uh, I wouldn't say that ASAP Rocky's a star lyricist. I guess I enjoy that album, that mixtape, more for its vibe and its aesthetic and its instrumentals and its hooks than simply its lyrics. Certainly the lyrics are, are fine. They fill the space left open by the very spacious beats. And I think the mixtape wouldn't be as good as it is if ASAP Rocky didn't have some semblance of, of character or personality to what he was saying and, and his flow and his delivery. So, you know, he certainly got that. I'm not taking anything away from the guy. But uh, that that's not really a record where I'm trying to eat up every single thing that he's saying, because he's he's not trying to tell a story or anything like that. I mean, there's a lot of, I guess, uh, vulgarities and braggadocia and that sort of thing. You know, it's it's nothing too deep or or anything like that. And, and the thing is, I think um, I think it's fine for music to be that way sometimes. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think there are, uh, are are some albums, certainly 
you know, whose lyrics I'm enamored with so much, um, that, that they may overshadow the music. However, uh, I can't really sort of, I guess, uh, uh, correlate some kind of trend for me with, with particular genres. I mean, certainly there are hip hop albums that I've enjoyed that I've gotten comments saying, Anthony, what the hell's wrong with you? This guy's lyrics are stupid. This guy's just making, you know, crappy pop rap or whatever. Uh, you know, however, I, I think the lyrics maybe have different, uh, qualities, different entertaining qualities, uh, other than that, you might find on like another hip hop album I like this year, like Zarface, for example. You know, this is a very specific type of lyricism that I think, uh, you know, it's great and it's fine and I have nothing against it. I mean, some of my favorite MCs, uh, you know, are cut from the same cloth a guy like Inspected Deck is, or at least a very similar cloth. However, you know, I, I don't think that's the standard every single hip-hop artist should be held up to. Definitely not. Um, that would be like saying every guitar player that doesn't play like Jimmy Page isn't, you know, living up to the standard of what guitar playing should be. It's ridiculous. So, I mean, I, I think, uh, again, you know, I think uh, it depends on the emphasis the artist him or herself puts on their lyrics. Um, you know, certainly I'm not going to, uh, I guess, uh, I guess downgrade an album for the, uh, uh, the lack of flashy guitar playing. If the only, you know, guitar playing that we hear across the record is just some rhythm guitar in the background. Oh, there's just not enough flashy guitar playing on here. Uh, sort of like, a, uh, it would, it would kind of be like demoting, LCD sound system, sound of silver for saying that, Oh, there's not enough guitar playing on here. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's certainly a lot of keyboards and bass guitar and drums and vocals, uh, but not a lot of guitar on, on LCD sound systems, uh, records. Uh, and, and, and it's fine. You know, I think it's, I think those records are great. Uh, but you know, I'm not going to, uh, demote those albums for, you know, not having a particular characteristic or not kind of expressing that characteristic in a, in a certain way. So I, I suppose, uh, again, I, I guess I don't really sweat the lyrics of like a, a Ramon song, you know, as much as I do like a dead Kennedy song because dead Kennedy's are, are quite famous for making some really strong political statements in their music. Uh, I don't really sweat the lyrics too hard of, I guess I want to say maybe a Meek Mill song, though I do like Meek Mill's music, at least on his newest record. Uh, however, I, I don't really find, however, I do sweat the lyrics of an artist like uh, PJ Harvey, who on her latest record, I mean, she put in uh, quite a bit of effort with uh, making a lot of uh, uh, political statements and telling a lot of stories on, on her new LP, Let England Shake, or even Bjork, uh, with, with her recent record kind of being a, a breakup album with a lot of those themes coming through in the lyrics. Uh, again, I think it just all depends on how much effort that artist puts into their album as far as the lyrics go. If the lyrics are passable and they're just okay, uh, and at least the singing is good, um, to me that doesn't really take away from the album or it doesn't really you know add to the album. It's kind of like a neutral factor. 
Uh, however, I, I feel more impressed by a record if it seems that the lyrics are telling some kind of significant story or the lyrics are really clever or making some interesting point or really evocative in some kind of way. So, yeah, I mean, I certainly think lyrics are important, but how important they are, I think, uh, depends on how important the artist in question makes them. And I think it's up to us as the listeners and reviewers or whatever uh, to kind of pick up on that. And uh, I, I think it's just kind of best to take it on a a case-by-case basis. You know, not like rock lyrics should be this, rap lyrics should be this, or whatever. Singer-songwriter lyrics should be that. Um. I think, you know, we should take it on a case-by-case basis in the, in, in the sense that, okay, this particular artist making this particular album, I like these lyrics, and this is why. Or I don't like these lyrics, and this is why. Okay. Thank you, Michael, for, uh, for that question. I appreciate that email. Moving on to our next question. Uh, we have Dear Anthony... I just recently started watching your videos, and I am very glad that I did, as I very much enjoy them. I've got a question that I would love for you to discuss on one of your videos. Recently, I watched that movie about Amy Winehouse that came out some time ago. Although I absolutely love Amy's music, I asked myself whether we're not only overhyping her because she died at such a young age under tragic circumstances and at the peak of her career, from then on evolved the question whether we do that with other artists, for example, Kurt Cobain as well. Do you think that if musicians like them hadn't died in that way, they wouldn't be as famous as they are today? And do you believe that other artists like, for example, Eminem had died tragically young and at the peak of his career before material like Encore had come out, would he have reached more of a legend status? Uh, sorry for all the mistakes that may have occurred. English is not my first language. With all my love, Yasmin. Yasmin, thank you for the email. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you watching. Thank you. All right, so these artists kind of dying at the peaks of their careers, dying young, does it cause us to overhype them? Um, You know, I I think, uh, at least in the case of Kurt Cobain and Amy Winehouse, uh, prior to their deaths, they had huge, huge records. Um, They they had gigantic records, huge hit songs. Uh, So, I mean, I think in the case of both of them, uh, while, yes, their deaths were untimely and they were very tragic, while these people were alive, they were incredibly famous. Um, I think... It's not so much that they're not here that causes us to be so intrigued by them. Um, You know, like if Kurt Cobain, for example, were just a a regular average dude and, you know, didn't have the emotional problems that he's that he's so well documented as as having. uh, And one day, for example, he was just hit by a bus or there was just a terrible accident that, you know, was really nobody's fault. Uh, you know, just a complete mistake by chance that took his life and, uh, uh, he left this planet. And as a result, you know, he was 
passed on and uh, he could no longer make music. I, I don't think that we would be as enamored with his memory as we are currently because the thing is, Kurt Cobain and Amy Winehouse, I mean, not only did they pass away at a very young age, but they passed away tragically. And there's a lot of tragedy surrounding both of these people, uh, which adds to their backstory and adds to the backstory of their music as well. Um, I think another example is uh, Ian Curtis of Joy Division. You know, these people, they have very tragic backstories. Uh, They're not like people who... Uh, just passed away by pure accident out of the blue. You know, there's a very long and uh, uh, arduous story to how each of these people passed on. And the thing is, the general public, the, the, the general public, they love drama. They love tragedy. And the thing is, the the personal life stories of these artists who, uh, uh, you know, were... were uh, generous enough to sort of share their pain, share their emotion with the world through music, through some great music, uh, you know, kind of broadcast this anguish to us with some wonderful art. And we also know that these people sort of, you know, again, had led, led sort of tragic lives, which during the lifetime of Kurt Cobain and Amy Winehouse, the general public was very interested in. Uh, the general public, at least, you know, people who were big Kurt Cobain fans were very interested in the emotions and the thoughts and um, sort of what exactly made Kurt Cobain tick. And uh, the same was for Amy Winehouse. I mean, Amy Winehouse, while she was alive, uh, the tabloids chased her around every corner to sort of see her getting thinner and see her abusing drugs and see her inebriated. Uh, you know, the, the tabloids were really wolves when it came to um, Amy's public life, Amy's social life. Uh, so even prior to Amy's death, the general public was obsessed with, uh, with Amy Winehouse's um, uh, life choices and, uh, you know, her flaws. And, um, you know, a lot of people saw the, the writing on the wall and, and knew that she was... Um, addicted and, uh, to various substances and, and, and abusing a lot of them very heavily and, and, and knew that, uh, if this, if this person continued down this road, death was imminent. Death was right around the corner. It was, it was only a matter of when, uh, for a lot of people, uh, you know, they, they saw that coming and, uh, the news media, the tabloids were certainly, doing their best to try to capitalize on it and sort of be be the first one there when it happened so that they could take pictures and broadcast it out to the world. Um, honestly, I mean, I think, uh, I, I think people, if, if Amy Winehouse and Kurt Cobain hadn't passed on, uh, I, I think people still would have continued to be interested in them because their, their, their stories were tragic. Uh, however, if, if like maybe one day sort of on, on their next, uh, on their follow-up records, both of them had gone through rehabilitation, got help, cleaned up, and then led very clean cut, uh, normal lives after, I guess, uh, battling their demons, the general public's interest in at least their personal lives, because their music may still be great, 
the general public's interest in their personal lives would have just evaporated because they would no longer, you know, just uh, uh, be this sideshow to to gawk at and stare at, you know, and and that's sort of again just kind of been a characteristic of the general public's interest in celebrities for a very long time. Um, you know, look at somebody like uh, Lindsay Lohan, for example, who people have obsessed over. Uh, you know, the, her train wreck of a, of a series of life decisions for years, for years, for years, uh, despite the fact that, you know, for a while she wasn't even like, you know, really making any uh, good or really any TV shows or movies or anything, but people are still interested. Oh, what's going on with her? What, what is she doing? Who's she drinking with? What, like, you know, what is she wearing? All this stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the tragic circumstances are, are kind of pivotal here to, uh, to this particular situation. I mean, there, there are artists that, that pass away, um, uh, uh, sort of at a young age, but maybe not so tragically, um, you know, or n not as a result of, uh, you know, just very self-destructive behaviors, um, you know, and, and certainly we mourn them, but there's not really anything for us to, uh, you know, to, to obsess over in terms of them being kind of like a, you know, this, uh, uh, this damaged personality or anything like that. Um, I think, uh, the, the fact that Amy Winehouse and Kurt Cobain passed on the way that they did, it just adds so much story and so much context and so much tragedy. Um, I, I recently did a, uh, like a classic review for, uh, Nirvana's In Utero. And when you think of sort of what was going through Kurt's mind up until the point when he decided to commit suicide. And then you sort of juxtapose that against the incredibly depressing and very, um, I don't know, self-destructive lyrics that turn up all throughout that record and just how off its hinges, its emotional hinges that album is. Uh, it adds a lot of character to the very tragic storyline of Kurt's death. Uh, you know, when you look at uh, the lyrics to the final Joy Division album, and then you juxtapose that against uh, Ian Curtis's tragic death, it sort of, uh, I guess, intensifies the lyrics in some kind of way, because you know the person that was on that album, you know, for them, those incredibly dark thoughts on that record were very, very, very real, uh, to the point where it drove them to make uh, the ultimate decision, you know, essentially. So I, I think, uh, you know, especially in art, uh, we, we like our dark, tortured souls, you know, um, as far as, you know, your, uh, your example with Eminem, uh, I think if Eminem had, had died as a result of, I don't know, uh, taking it a little too far with the, uh, violence or the, uh, uh, sort of the pills or the drugs that he was known for rapping about so heavily, uh, on his first several albums. Uh, you know, I think then people would kind of, oh, you know, it's super tragic. He was, um, you know, dying, uh, I guess as a result of, you know, his, his vices, which were so proudly displayed in his music, uh, you know, take, take a look at people like Tupac and Biggie who both died in this incredibly tragic way. Uh, you know, if, if Eminem like kind of like my earlier example, uh, had died shortly after the release of Marshall Mathers LP two, uh, 
because he, I don't know, tripped and fell off of a building or something, or like I said, you know, gotten hit by a bus or whatever, a train or something. Um, you know, it, 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 it wouldn't have really added to the story, the tragedy, the character or anything like that. It was just life taken from us too soon. Uh, people like storylines. Like I said, they like characters, they like drama, um, you know, somebody's life kind of being taken away from us by some kind of mere accident for no reason whatsoever, you know, doesn't add to the drama, doesn't add to the character. Uh, you know, people, again, they love that tragedy. They love, uh, uh, you know, a storyline like what went on with, uh, with, with Tupac and sort of the tension of the East coast and the West coast and, 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 and the fact that, uh, this friction, this drama sort of took, two lives of uh, some very important artists in, in the history of hip hop. So, I mean, I, I think, uh, I, I think death, you know, certainly has a way of, I guess, enhancing things, especially if it is to a dramatic effect. And, you know, if an artist does end up passing before, um, they have an opportunity to put out a record that displeases fans, uh, I guess that's also, I don't know, I guess a way of death kind of, uh, in a really unfortunate way, I guess, kind of maintaining the, the status of their music because we never have an opportunity to kind of, you know, watch these artists uh, end up putting out an album that we think is disappointing in some kind of way. Uh, which, you know, every artist does eventually. Um, but, uh, but whatever, you know, I think, uh, I think um, I, I've I've explored this question as much as I can. Very morbid question, but you know, def- definitely something worth pondering. And and I don't completely know if I if I came up with any significant or if I came up with all the answers for this. But you know, I think I've certainly tried to uh, explain how I feel. And I think we're going to move on to the uh, last question, Yasmin. Thank you again for for shooting that to me. All right, our final question here. Let me just check on the uh, time. Looks like we're almost about 30 minutes in. Thank you for listening again. All right, we are going to be taking a final question here from Jay. Jay says, Sup, Anthony. Greetings from the UK. Hey, dude. Thanks for emailing me from the UK. I've been a fan of yours, uh, your reviews, for a while now. I find them both entertaining and down-to-earth. Thank you. And I have discovered heaps of artists through your videos, so cheers for that. I wanted to share a question that I've been thinking on for some time. I think it's safe to say that, on the whole, artists tend to release their best music during the first half of their career. The cliché, of course, being that you have your entire life to write your first album. However... I've noticed that after the principal songwriters uh, in bands reach the age of 40, there tends to be a decline in the general quality of the songwriting, perhaps because for most, this is the point where you've settled down and therefore have fewer stressful influences on which to draw inspiration from writing music of substance. Many bands, uh, be they Green Day, Radiohead, Beck, or even Paul McCartney seem incapable of capturing the essence of their younger selves having crossed that 40 mark. Personally, I'd much rather that older artists turn to producing or managing bands of the future 
as their expertise may be better used helping craft other musicians' records rather than churning out poor music of their own. In short, my question is, does musical life end after 40? I would love to know what you think about this and whether or not you think I'm totally right or wrong. Keep up the great work. Yours sincerely, Jay Plent. All right, Jay. Um, I, I, I'm not exactly sure as to, to the exact age of any of these artists, but uh, there was a video I made a little while ago about uh, this very topic where I had actually listed a series of albums that were late career albums uh, in particular artists' discographies that I thought were great. And I will link to that video down there in the description. Uh, one album that certainly comes to mind, or one, you know, at least a few artists that come to mind, um, who were coming out with some of their most riveting stuff around or past the age of 40, uh, people like Scott Walker or Tom Waits or... Bjork right now is coming out with some great stuff. Um, PJ Harvey, who I'm pretty sure at this point is past the age of 40, is coming out with some great stuff. Um, uh, the Flaming Lips are actually still coming out with some interesting stuff, or at least are you know experimenting in a very in a very bold way on some of their latest records. Um, th there are certainly a lot of examples. I, I think I also want to say Shabazz Palaces, Shabazz Palaces as well. Um, really the list can go on. Um, th there's really no shortage of people sort of past the age of 40 putting out some great stuff. Um, hmm. Or at least stuff that, you know, really seems to be pleasing to a lot of uh, hardcore fans. Um, I want to say Kate Bush as well. You know, I think it really all depends on where the music that the artist was making in their youth, where that sort of came from emotionally and whether or not they still continue to try to make music coming from that same place as they have aged rather than evolving and progressing and creating in different avenues. Um, to me, you know, you cite Green Day, you know, whose early work, I mean, while I like a lot of Green Day's early stuff, it also comes from a place of anger and frustration and angst and what have you, uh, all emotions that are kind of hard to maintain into old age. Not that there's no reason to be angry when you're old, but I guess uh, it's uh, um, kind of hard to sort of be angry in the way that uh, um, uh, sort of an unruly teenager might be angry or 20-something or something. <laughs> uh I've I've always kind of considered myself a very pragmatic person, uh, but but you know I enjoy a lot of music that is sort of over the top and and uh, very heavy and very extreme like that. Um, you know I think Napalm Death just came out with a pretty decent record. I think uh, Converge just came out with a killer record, and I mean, geez, they've been at it for decades at this point, decades, man. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it really all depends on uh, on sort of how you age with your art. Uh, some people um, try to do the same exact thing, in a sense, that they were doing 10, 15, 20 years ago, and uh, are convinced that they can just continue doing the same thing and that people are just going to eat it up. Um, the new 
Interpol record kind of comes to mind, uh, which wasn't bad, but I mean, geez, uh, what, what a rehash. Um, I think, uh, I think Paul McCartney, I mean, he certainly evolved over the years and, and he had some decent late career albums, but you know, I think the thing about Paul McCartney is, a. Uh, uh, I don't know if he's really, you know, sweating, sort of putting out music uh, as much as he used to. Um, you know, I, I think I think the thing about these artists is, you know, not uh, just that they've aged, but I think another kind of term- determining factor here is that um, they've all seen an incredible amount of success, and maybe going down the road that has led to maybe less fire in their bellies because there's not really anything to prove at that point. You know, people have acknowledged them as great artists. You know, there's no question that they're great artists, regardless of whether or not their next album is good. Uh, Beck has come out with so many killer records. Radiohead has come out with so many game changing records. Green Day. I mean, as far as mainstream pop punk goes, their early stuff really doesn't get much better. Um, it, it doesn't get much better than their, you know, their earlier stuff. You know, and they and they were pivotal for painting the way for a lot of uh, sort of those MTV level pop punk bands that would rule the charts um, over the years. You know, all of these artists have had an incredible impact on the art of popular music, and um, I guess the wider world of music at large. Uh, whereas I feel like a guy like Scott Walker, an artist like PJ Harvey, um, people like Bjork, who, you know, always seem to get way more out of exploring, you know, and just kind of, a uh, the oddity of experimenting and trying something new more than she did, um, I guess kind of the, the compliments that people would lavish onto her. And as she stood in the spotlight, um, you know, the, the people like Tom Waits as well, who's, who's, you know, known for being a, a bit of a recluse and not really touring. Um, you know, these people, uh, they really create because it seems like, you know, they've got to, uh, you know, not, not because it's kind of just their career, you know? Um, and, and not to say that there's a bad thing. I mean, you know, people like, uh, Paul McCartney have an excellent business sense and, and have, have, has done great things with his career. Um, you know, post, uh, I guess, you know, post putting out some of his greatest music, you know, so there, there's a point at which some artists kind of realize that it makes more sense to kind of just live off of their legacy more than it does trying to reinvent themselves all the time. Um, and I think, you know, at that age, once they've kind of proven themselves and they don't really have anything else to, uh, to prove to the world or, you know, to kind of convince the world of, uh, maybe they just kind of, you know, accept that, which I mean, isn't necessarily, uh, I mean, that's, that's kind of their right to, you know, in a sense, I mean, has Paul McCartney put out enough great records? I think so. You know, if he wants to live out the rest of his career, just, you know, being Paul McCartney, the the fucking rock god that's completely fine with me you know i've 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 no qualms with that you know uh i i don't doubt that you know if paul mccartney 
Uh, I, I don't doubt that Paul McCartney probably has good music left in him, but does he want to put himself through the process of, of kind of writing an entire album, getting musicians together, trying to get a label to put it out and, uh, taking the risk of, of, I guess, uh, you know, making it a really out there record and doing something totally different and unexpected. Um, you know, plus, I mean, you also have to accept that, uh, people like Paul McCartney, he grew up during a different musical time. Um, you know, does he want to necessarily adhere to, um, a lot of the trends and sounds of today in order to kind of keep up with current times and, and, uh, sort of compete with, uh, this newer league of artists, not necessarily, you know, like I said, he's kind of proven himself, you know, he doesn't need to compete with any of these people. He's Paul fucking McCartney. He's sir Paul fucking McCartney. Uh, and, and at this point, I don't really think, you know, artists like Radiohead or Green Day or Beck really need to, uh, to prove anything. I mean, these people have, have in a big way influenced the music of a lot of these newer artists, <laughs> They don't necessarily need to dive into the trenches and, and compete with any of them. You know, these artists are drawing ex- uh, inspiration from a lot of these people. Um, so, so, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't think a uh, musical life ends after 40. I think there are just some artists who have seen an incredible amount of success and, just sort of uh, see the way of the future as just kind of embracing that legacy that they've earned for themselves and just kind of thriving off of that. Uh, Meanwhile, other artists, uh, for whatever reason, could be maybe that need to prove themselves is still there, could be that they never really found that sound that they were totally happy with, could be a bunch of other completely... Uh, I guess, undefinable factors. Uh, There are some artists out there who, into their 40s, they're doing something totally different than they were doing in their 20s. And it's still crazy. It's still exciting. It's still out there. Um, It's out there in a new way. And and, and I think artists like that are fantastic. Um, I think we need artists like that. Certainly there are some bands that, you know, should definitely throw in the towel if, uh, you know, I'd rather a band do that than try to force something that they're not happy doing, um, or just put out another record that sounds exactly the same when they damn well know they don't have anything to say or, you know, offer that they haven't offered already. However, um, you know, I still don't think that you should just quit because you're 40, you know? Quit when you don't have anything else to say, you know, quit when you feel like you've composed your last good melody and you don't feel like you can come up with another good one, you know, uh, I feel like that's the time to quit, you know, don't quit just because you're a a certain number as far as age goes, you might still have a lot to offer the world. Who knows? All right. I think I'm going to leave it there. Thank all, uh, thank you to all of you for chilling with me, even though I'm a little tired and this is a pretty laid back episode of the podcast. But again, if you want to submit any questions for future podcasts, we will be leaving 
a link in the description box to an email address where you can send along some questions. And uh, yeah, again, if you uh, want this podcast sent to you, as I have mentioned in previous podcasts and previous videos, there is also a link to our support page down there where you can get this podcast uh, and other future podcasts sent to you via a weekly download in your email inbox with a monthly subscription. And I think that's it. You're the best. Anthony Fantano, podcast questions forever.